Yo, this is Conrad from Kansas, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Gallimore, but I always listen to I Doubt It with Brittany Page. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dalamore. Alright everybody, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Episode 474 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host for this episode, Jesse Dalamore, and I am joined by your other host, of this episode, the lovely, talented, Christmas spirit, Brittany Page. The <laughs> the Secret Santa gift exchange has happened. It has occurred. Can you believe that it's Christmas? It's, that it's Christmas 2018. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. It, yeah. It's it 20, is 2019 next year. <laughs> We're not. It's not fair. It's not fair that as you get older, uh-huh. the years are, you know, like 15 minutes long. Yeah. Because I'm going to be dead in like an hour and a half. Well, you know what I mean? Uh, well, I mean, at least we'll finish the show before that happens, right? We'll see. <laughs> we'll get this one out, guys. Don't we'll, worry. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Hang in there. So we did. It is, it is Christmas time. And, and one of the listeners in the Dollamore listener group, that's mm-hmm. the name of it. The mm-hmm. listener created, listener moderated, listener discussion group. Yeah. Started uh, a secret Santa. Mm-hmm. And we decided to participate. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, giving and give, giving and getting gifts is a. Is a cool thing. Yeah, it was nice to to take part of it and be interactive with with listeners in the in a gift giving way. For sure, um, I know who mine is. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you don't know who yours is. I do not know who mine. I don't. I got my gift and I got a note with the gift, but the note did not have a name. Yeah, apparently, people think that Secret Santa means. It's forever a yeah. secret. Yeah, forever a secret. You can never know the identity of the secret person who gave you a gift. Bravo! <laughs> oh God. But I, I, uh, I'm. I mean, it's not like I'm pretty pleased, as though I would have been very disappointed with a gift because a gift's a gift. Yes. But I got a gift card. Uh huh. From Amber. Yep. To our local favorite mom and pop owned liquor store yep to call it a liquor store is not really doing it justice it's yeah well when you think of a liquor store you think of like a seedy little yeah yeah <laughs> one room closet type. yeah 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 that's but... not this. this is multiple levels they've got a wine cellar that goes back in like a labyrinth with a wine bar oh yeah wine bar all kinds of 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 whiskeys and liquors and gins and whatever you need they have oh it. yeah it's a big time mm-hmm High Time is the name of the joint. Yes. We'll just put that out there. This episode brought to you by <laughs> High Time. This episode definitely not sponsored by High Time. <laughs> but you got a gift card for I that. did. I got a gift card, and I am very excited about that. I've, I've often said that the the best gifts for Jesse D are mm-hmm. books and booze. Yeah. And typically, it can't mm-hmm. go really go wrong 
yeah. with books or booze. For sure. Yeah. So it was a winner. Thank you, Amber. I really appreciate it. It's great. And oh, I... Oh, I got a card. Can I read the card? Yes. Uh, it says, Happy Holidays, Jesse. Spelled correctly, which is a, a bonus. Mm-hmm. Enjoy some Christmas cheer on me, mm. along with many thanks to your lovely lady for her help. Oh. That's me. For your help. That's yeah. right. Uh, just for this once, I'll let you be the best part, Amber. There you go. Apparently, Amber is the arbiter of who is and who is not Yeah, the best part. Well, it's Christmas, so you get special recognition. Yeah. Thank you, Amber. I appreciate it very much, and it will go to good use. Mm -hmm. Definitely to to good use. (laughs) (laughs) I I think she also called and revealed herself, right? She did, Because she was worried that your gift wouldn't get here in time. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. Happy holidays. I have absolutely no way of knowing how fast the mail is going to move, so I'm giving a spoiler alert right now. Hey, Jesse, this is Amber, and I am your secret Santa. I just want to let you both know how much I appreciate the fact that you've embraced your listener-created Facebook group and how much you will share about your, your personal lives um, in addition to the content on your podcast. And I think it's really cool that you both decided to join the gift exchange. So, Jesse, as much as I love your part in the show, I've got to take away points for you leaving exactly zero clues for a wish list. So, instead, I've got to give those points to Brittany, who was absolutely amazing in helping me find a gift that you would hopefully love. And if you hate it, you've still got to blame me. She only gave me ideas, but I'm the one who made the final call. So from the bottom of my, my bottom of my heart, I want to thank you both for everything you do. And Jesse, just for today, only because you were lucky enough to have me for your secret Santa, <laughs> I will let you be the best part. Oh. Merry Christmas, guys. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> um Thank you very much. But can I address the 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 not leaving a wish list? Yeah, the wish list thing. Uh huh. You have strong feelings about I, this. No, I don't have strong feelings. Although you would think I would, since that's kind of my gig. Yeah. I have strong feelings about everything, Brittany. Hmm. Uh, it seems like cheating. There's an episode of Thirty Rock. Thirty Rock's like <laughs> my Bible. I can just everything applies back to Thirty Rock. Yeah. There's a verse in Thirty Rock. Yeah, where where Liz Lemon is approaches Jack Donaghy and wants to be do a gift exchange with him. Yeah. Which horrifies the, the Jonathan, the assistant. Mm-hmm. It's because Jack Donaghy's the best gift giver ever. Yeah. And she's like, okay, well, what do you want? He's like, what? That's not how it works. You you think about the person and mm-hmm. what what's meaningful to them and about you, to, for you about them. And then you, you extrapolate some data and you make a gift that you think would be meaningful. Mm-hmm. If you just have a list... Yeah, kind of defeats the entire purpose uh-huh. of the gift giving because that's the thoughtfulness of it. It's not, it's not getting shit. Mm-hmm. At least it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I'm probably wrong about this too, as I am most things. Uh huh. Santa, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, this is thoughtful, and and by the way, thoughtful because it's not just a gift card. Mm-hmm. It's something that. I enjoy, yes. you know, drinking some good whiskey. Yeah. It's a good time. Of course. Um, so, 
I'm not shitting on everybody for having a uh, 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 a wish list. It yeah, just, of course. Thank you, you know, for clarifying. Yeah, yeah. So, um, my <laughs> you get my gift is a game. But first, I'll read the little note that came with it. I ordered this for myself as well. It looks fun, and I hope it brings you and yours some laughs. Your secret Santa. <laughs> that could be anything. I got one of these for myself too. Yeah, it looks real fun. <laughs> <laughs> So, what um, is it? It's called the voting game. Find out who your friends are. And it looks like I haven't opened it yet, um, but there's cards, it looks like. The voting game is an adult party game that uncovers the hilarious truth behind your friendships. Each round, vote anonymously for the player that is described by the question. Tally the <laughs> votes and laugh as the personalities of your friends are revealed. Who will you vote for? It's a good thing that it's anonymously. I also can see from my vantage point that on the side it says 17 years old plus. For the game, which means it's an adult adventure. Yeah, there might be some naughty words on the cards, but it gives an example of like some of the questions that you would have to vote on for your friends. Uh, whose Google search history would you most like to see? <laughs> Who would show up to their high school reunion in a Lamborghini rental? E. Who would survive the longest in a zombie apocalypse? So I could see this maybe causing problems with like drunk people, you yeah. know, where because that that Lamborghini rental one's kind of a negative yeah. personality Who's evaluation. Who's the douche who's so insecure and vain that they've got to rent a fancy ass car that they can't really afford to show up and impress a bunch of people they don't really care about? So I wonder <laughs> how many of the cards are like revealing negative personality yeah, yeah, traits. Yeah. And then, what are you trying to say, man? You know, it's going to turn into a, a brawl or something. <laughs> Drunken storming out of the party. Yeah. Um, we'll but that sure sounds that, fun, too. We'll make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. Or as, as best we can. Yeah, of course. Because after I drink, you know, a $25 bottle of whatever, mm -hmm. yeah, maybe I'll be the guy. Okay. To get pissed off. Let's relax. So uh, I also got another gift to the P.O. Box from an anonymous person. And um, oh, right. I forgot. the note said that Santa couldn't resist. So they are raccoon socks or slippers. I'm sorry. Raccoon slippers. Oh, they've got little nubs, little sticky nubs on the bottom. Yeah. So you don't slip and fall. Um, yeah. These are very disturbing and um, <laughs> nightmarish. We'll, we'll put a picture of them on the, on the Facebook page. Yeah. And, and I... I appreciate it, though. They're very cute, and they're very soft and fluffy and, and comfortable. And then we also got, finally, we, we got a gift from Ranger Bob, mm -hmm. longtime loyal listener of the show. He got us a, a gift card to a local Mexican place here. He's also here in Orange County somewhere. Yeah. And uh, a beautiful card with his beautiful family on it. And then... A pocket silk. Yeah, because he noticed that you like pocket squares. He is also a, a former Marine, mm -hmm. and he got me a pocket silk with Marine Corps colors. Yeah. That I actually wore in a video that will be scheduled for 2 p.m. today on YouTube about Ann Coulter, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And uh, I'm wearing it. Nice. So it's I'm uh, I'm very appreciative of that. That That's was a really thoughtful gift. Super, super thoughtful. Thank you, Bob. That's oh, awesome. And, and there's a little note. I, we should read the note. Yeah. Um, Jesse, I see you are a fan of the pocket square, so I picked this up for you. Wear it well. Keep up the great work. Simplify, Bob. So thank you, Bob. Very nice. We we very much appreciate that. that yeah. is Christmas time is a good time. I'm. It really does solidify the community that is being developed here for by sure. both the listeners and hopefully 
considered by us. So. Yeah, so raccoon, slipper person, reveal yourself, and... And regular gift person. Yeah, and secret Santa person, please reveal yourself. I would like to know who to thank specifically for these lovely and thoughtful gifts. <laughs> All right. So so we do have one little piece of listener communication I want to get to. We were just here yesterday. We almost did the show last night, but it's just been so goddamn busy. We haven't had a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get a chance to get to it. So uh, it is, again, about the Santa Claus and, and you know, the Santa Claus. Yes. Uh, and whether the or not it's, it's a decent thing and whatever. And anyway, Mandy called in and gave a different perspective on why it was a it was a net positive for her to have been told about Santa and then have it revealed you'll find out uh rather unceremoniously hey Brittany hey Jesse it's Mandy from Indy and I just listened to Tuesday's episode and wanted to call in about the effects of learning that Santa isn't real um when I was a small child I was raised by my grandmother because my parents uh were wolves, as Brittany would put it, though my grandma was kind of too. Um, but yeah, so when I was eight, um, she decided that she would go ahead and tell me all at the same time that Santa, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, none of it was real. Just like a band-aid. Rip that shit right on off. No imaginary <laughs> friends anymore. So me being eight and having the reasoning skills that I had then, looked her dead in the face and was like, so I guess if you're lying about all of these things that God also isn't real, because those stories don't make sense. And I will never Uh forget the look on her face. She lost her shit. I was like, of course he's real. And yeah, not, not so much, you know, now I'm in my thirties, but that was my first experience with atheism because I learned that Santa wasn't real. So maybe Jesse, not such a bad thing. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. That seems like an un- unintended consequence for sure. I'm just, I'm still, I, I feel discomfort in my body hearing yeah, that story. Yeah, really? Because I can imagine how difficult it would be for an adult to navigate that territory, you know, and I mean, for, yeah. for non-believers, the stories are similar. Right. Once you kind of come out of belief in God, I think a lot of non-believers do reflect on all of these kinds of stories and kind of put them in the same box. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, I don't believe in the Jesus story as much as you don't believe that uh, Muhammad flew away on a winged horse to heaven. As, as fantastical and ridiculous as that sounds to Christians... So do the Christian myth stories to people who aren't Christians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting because I maybe there's something here, though, where kids, in order to keep them believing in other things that they may start to question as being not realistic, you they almost need to be primed for magical thinking um, in order to kind of keep them believing in, yeah. in other things. Very, it very well could be that, yeah. I mean, I don't know, but... Um, Pretty, pretty ballsy. Yeah, it's very funny to me when I'm thinking about it. It's kind of like one of those, like, she's going into it. She's got a plan. It's like uh, burning your jersey to own the libs. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you pour the, 
you sloppily pour the lighter fluid on the jersey, mm-hmm. and then you light it on fire, and then, oh, shit, oh, I'm on fire, too! Ah! You, you, know, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It, it went terribly wrong. Yeah. She had a plan, and it's not how it ended. You know, now now that I'm thinking about it, actually, losing your belief in God is similar to losing your belief in, in Santa, because... You don't choose it. You don't make a choice for that to happen. It's just that you you like learn some information. And once you have an understanding behind some stuff, you can't go back. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I know some people have gone back. And that's like some people have famous stories of coming out of atheism and becoming believers again. So I know it's possible. People also have famous stories about having gone to heaven. But people also talk about atheism as like a choice and that that doesn't fit for me because it really was kind of this process of unlearning and relearning things and once I got to that place, I can't really imagine going back. So it's kind of like when I pulled the Santa suit out from behind the couch. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't just put it back down and go back to believing in Santa. I had found the truth, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it was similar for that for me uh, when it comes to religious identity as well, religious belief. Yeah, I, I would like to know. Um, and you don't have to call back in, Mandy, but uh, it would be it would be interesting to know exactly what the timeline of that was like. I like to get on the ground with something. Was that like a immediate processing or was it like she came back a couple hours later or a day or a week right. and said, hey, well, you know, I got some follow up questions yeah. about the old Santa and the tooth fairy deal. Yeah, I've been thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> that was an impressive move, though. And, yeah. And I've heard similar stories like this about kids. So, for sure. You know, kids are smart and I think we don't give them enough credit for their reasoning ability and ability to put things together and figure things out. You think, oh, they're just a kid and we can manipulate them yeah, yeah. um <laughs> not so easy some kids are gonna figure it out good yeah good all right well listen if you want to call we'd love to hear from you 657-464-7609 of course you can always email those voice memos from your smartphone to i doubt it at dollamore.com before we move on let's talk about facebook hmm Facebook is in trouble again, yet again. It seems to be a a never-ending carousel mm-hmm. of shit storms for Mike, Mark Zuckerberg and uh, a, a, a perpetual apology machine. Yeah. I mean, he has been called robot. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's really what his function is. <laughs> it's just, I apologize. We messed up. We, we, we deserve... You deserve better. Yeah, I bet that they like filmed a series of 30 apology videos in like a different color gray t-shirt. Like, so it looks <laughs> like it was a little bit different. Like maybe one that's been washed right, more right. times um, because... They put different wigs on that are a little shorter or longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that's all that they can do at this point, right? They keep having to just apologize after they do something wrong. Facebook is on the defensive again tonight. The Attorney General for Washington, D.C. sued Facebook today for failing to protect user data during the 2016 presidential campaign. Facebook is also facing new scrutiny over its sharing practices. Here's Tony DeCopel. In April, Mark Zuckerberg told Congress that Facebook doesn't sell users' personal data. We limit 
a lot of the data that we collect and use. But according to a New York Times investigation, what the company has been doing is sharing that data. For years, in fact, striking special deals with more than 150 different companies, including Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon. These deals reportedly gave Facebook access to more users, while partners got access to personal data. We asked Wired Editor-in-Chief and CBS News contributor Nick Thompson to show us where Facebook users may have been vulnerable. Your biographical information, your friend list, your photos, what's in the news feed. My activity log, all of that stuff could be available to outside partners. Most of those partnerships have ended, but certainly was available at some point. The Times report says that Spotify and Netflix were allowed to read Facebook users' private messages, while Amazon was able to obtain users' names and contact info. And Microsoft's Bing was able to see the names of virtually all Facebook users' friends without consent. The Economist has called consumer data the world's most valuable resource. And in 2018 alone, American companies are expected to spend close to $20 billion harvesting it, all to better target advertising. Some people have called consumer data the oil of the 21st century. It is the oil of the 21st century, and we are now starting to have wars over it. And yet we have Spotify and Netflix saying they never asked for and didn't use the access Facebook had granted them. Microsoft says it respected user preferences. And Amazon, for its part, says everything it did was within its privacy policy. As for Facebook, Jeff, it says partners do not get to ignore its users' privacy settings. And it's wrong to suggest they do. Wars over the oil of the 21st century. How about that, Tony? Thank you very much. Yeah, that line really stood out to me, too, especially when they followed that line with these companies did not take the opportunity to get actually review the data that they had access to. Yeah, I think if I had to choose one thing that I've changed my mind about most recently, it is reevaluating the stock that I have put in corporations yeah. And trust that I have had in corporations. Yeah, that's for sure something you've been talking about quite a bit. Yeah, because uh, it's just there are legitimate concerns about these corporations and whether or not they actually have your best interest interest in mind. And I mean, Facebook allowing companies to review your private messages. Think about that. That's the most egregious part to me. Like, I don't mind if they know my friends list. I don't really mind if they know my activity log. I don't, for me, it doesn't really matter if they know my where I've been. I, not so much. I mean, those are concerns, but it's, it's not like reaching in and wiretapping my fucking phone and knowing the things I say privately to be, listen, I've had listeners, um, or Facebook connected people, not so much listeners, but take screenshots of stuff that I've said in messages and put it online as a way to be like, oh, look, I was talking to Jesse or whatever. And that, that is a fucking, that's a violation. Because <laughs> it's a called a private fucking message for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So for them to give access, for them to dip in anytime they want, I can't handle that. Well, it, I mean, Facebook needs to just do a blanket. Listen, you don't have any rights. Like, you don't have any right to privacy by using our service. I mean, they should just say that. And then just, if that's what it is, just, they need to do that. Just be honest with people and let them make the choice. Yeah, they, I mean, absolutely. Because there were there were also reports that photos that you uploaded to Facebook, but you didn't actually click share. Like if you decided, oh, no, I don't I don't want this one up. Right. That they have access to those and that companies had access to those as well. So yeah. even photos that you like changed your mind and didn't want up, 
<laughs> here's here's my thing. In this digital age, companies are going to step on their dicks. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. It's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. As long as they own it and correct themselves, that's what matters to me. And when every week it seems, every two weeks, every month it seems, Mark Zuckerberg is having to, to uh, this mea culpa moment. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. We failed you. We're better than this. We owe you. You know what? Enough with your fucking words. Enough with the apologies. Do something to fix it, Marky Mark. Well, and a lot of people are leaving. A lot of people are leaving Facebook now. I mean, I think every time this happens, people decide to leave Facebook. But this one, actually notable figures, Cassie Hunt. Oh, the journalist, NBC, I think. Yeah, she decided to delete her Facebook and she said she's staying on Instagram for now, but she'll see what happens with that. But she, yeah, she made an announcement that she's deleting her Facebook. And I think this is probably the closest I've come to considering it. But the only thing is, is it's so necessary for what we do. In our work. Yeah. Yeah. That it's hard to get rid of it. Also, I I guess I use my Facebook in a different way. I don't put a lot of personal information out there. I don't put a lot of that kind of stuff out there. Mm -hmm. I definitely used to. (laughs) Yeah. In some of my memories, I'm like, stop. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Um, But I've learned my lesson and I use it in a different way. So I think that helps me a little bit. But still, like the private messages, I'm like, what the hell, man? Yeah, it's it is a problem because as, as much I mean, I wish I could just say, yeah, I'm out. Mm-hmm. But we really can't do that because it's a vehicle to promote the show. Right. It, it's a massive portion of of um, how we reach new listeners. Yeah. And that's how they get you. They yeah. know they know that people are going to stay on because that's how they are connected to family or that's how they're connected to their friends. And that's how they run their business or a part of how they run their business. And maybe that's part of the problem. They know uh-huh. people need it. I don't see that there's going to be too many more of these times before the the government, the Congress, steps in and regulates this like a utility. I you mean, think so? We, we might not be too far away from that. I mean, we're years away from that, but just to get the regulatory framework in place. But um, they're not doing themselves any fucking favors. They're inviting the government to come in and set some pretty stringent rules. Yeah, for sure. So... This is a massive, massive corporation. Yeah. That reaches all of our lives. Well, and I still see um, people doing those like little quizzes where it like, what would you look like as a female or as a male? All you're doing is giving them access. Yeah. And (laughs) that was like part of the problem like a year ago, you know, but everyone seems to have forgotten about that. And now they're like, what kind of cat am I? And... And then, you know, you have to authorize all of the access to your data to these third-party apps. Are you 1920s Mickey Mouse or 1990s Mickey Mouse? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good times. (laughs) Anyway, we'd love, obviously, to know what you guys think about this. um, Because it affects 99% of everyone within the sound of my voice. Yeah. Everybody's on Facebook. There are very few people I know in my real life who have either never done the Facebook thing. Uh, usually it's like a dude who's like, I'm not getting into that. And then he has a joint account with his wife that just got set up, you know, Tina and Jerry or whatever. Uh-huh. It's, 
not a lot of people who who have been able to resist it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's uh, move on. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Nathan. Nathan! Thank you for your beautiful, beautiful support of the show. Other ways that you can support the show other than Patreon, obviously, uh, the holidays are winding down. <laughs> winding down, yeah. They are wind. They are almost over. Bravo. However, mm-hmm. you can absolutely still continue to purchase things on Amazon to make Jeff Bezos richer. And if you're going to do that, you may as well help take a little bit of money out of his pocket and put it into ours by using our Amazon affiliate link, which mm-hmm. is dollamore.com slash Amazon. I have a feeling someday that will level the playing field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be real, real level. Yeah. The other thing is we're running a contest right now for Patreon supporters. Yep, to, of any amount. To co-host the show. All you have to do is become a Patreon supporter within the next 10 days. Right, and then you will respond to the message that you have either already received or will receive if you are a brand new Patreon supporter and say, I'm in. I'm in. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to draw the first week of, of January, and uh, we're going to find out who it is, who wins the contest, who gets to sit in on a remote, unless you're local, of course, uh, a remote uh, episode where we do an episode and you, with you. You're, you're, you're with us. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a good time. We, yeah. we did it once before, and it was a real good time. Everybody liked it. Uh, well, most people seemed to, the people who communicated with us yeah. seemed to have enjoyed the change of pace in the episode. So yeah. we're going to be doing that, and we look forward to that the first week of January. So just sign up for Patreon and de blah, de blah, de blah. Dalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Facebook is in the news. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Um, We talked about it last time. Donald Trump has pulled us out of Syria, Mm -hmm. much to the glee and delight of Vladimir Putin and Iran. Who called the decision correct. He called it correct. And he is in full agreement with the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the the, the message on Twitter, Donald Trump indicated that we were leaving because, hey, mission accomplished. Job's done. No need to be there anymore because we defeated ISIS. Yep. Done. Well, it seems like that's really not the routine, though. In our world lead today, President Trump is now calling upon other countries to step up and fight ISIS in Syria, and the president is warning ISIS not to attack the United States. This might confuse some of the president's supporters because just yesterday the president declared that the U.S. had defeated ISIS <laughs> and abruptly announced the U.S. would withdraw American troops stationed there. It all comes as exclusive new video from inside Syria shows American-backed troops fighting ISIS just a few days ago, a clear sign that combat there against the estimated tens of thousands of ISIS terrorists continues. CNN's Barbara Starr joins me now live from the Pentagon. And Barbara, it's probably not a good sign when the most enthusiastic support for a foreign policy comes from Vladimir Putin. 
Well, and think of it this way. No enthusiastic support even 24 hours later from the Pentagon. No officials have come out in public and endorsed the president's decision, even as the war goes on. New proof emerging today that U.S.-backed Syrian fighters are still locked in heated battle with ISIS, even as President Trump has ordered more than 2,000 U.S. ground troops to come home. Some GOP lawmakers remain furious, including a close Trump ally. The only reason they're not dancing in the aisles in Tehran and ISIS camps is they just don't believe in dancing. This is a big uh, gift to them, and this is a devastating decision for our allies. One U.S. defense official telling CNN operational commanders are concerned about the future for Syrian fighters backed by the U.S., of whom 1,600 have already been killed. If the U.S. pulls out, those Kurdish fighters face a potential bloodbath from both ISIS and a Turkish invasion. And the ISIS threat is likely to skyrocket, with thousands of suspected ISIS operatives now in custody, possibly getting released to fight again. We have, to be clear, the highest concentration of jihadists anywhere in the world in Syria. General Joseph Dunford, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and General Joseph Votel, head of U.S. Middle East operations, are now talking to allies in the region about what will happen next. But there are no reassurances to be had. Defense Secretary James Mattis still has not issued the formal withdrawal order to the field, officials tell CNN. It should spell out a withdrawal plan but commanders say it could take weeks, if not months, to get all U.S. weapons packed up and airshipped out of Syria. If Trump demands a speedy exit, the typical procedure would be to bomb the equipment and destroy it. Mattis may be chalking up as a major loser in all of this. Senator Lindsey Graham spoke to him. He thought that the time was not right to leave. He's very worried about the Kurds. Mattis's influence with Trump had already diminished over using troops on the border and keeping Korean war games going. But this time, Trump overruled Mattis, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and National Security Advisor John Bolton. Possibly the only person, aside from Trump, who thinks getting out of Syria is a good idea? Russian President Vladimir Putin. As far as ISIS is concerned, I agree more or less with the president of the U.S. So there's been kind of a mixed reaction, I would say, on the left to Donald Trump's decision. A lot of people are saying that it is a good thing because we shouldn't be in Syria anyway and the troops should come home. Um, those are probably people on the left that are against any kind of yeah. um, intervention, yeah, I, I would, I would so. assume. Um, but some people on the left are recognizing that making Russia happy is probably not the best thing to do. Um, and it's kind of maybe a war of or a conflict over who gets to intervene. Right. And there's some people that think, well, there should just be no intervention. Right. Some people think, well, America needs to lead the charge on this. And I think maybe that's kind of at the heart of the debate here. I well, don't know. Well, it, it certainly harkens back to the Cold War, where there were all these incursions, military incursions, political, socio, uh, geopolitical incursions going on all over the globe at the hands of the Soviet Union. 
And we were in place in many situations to combat that influence. It's kind of like that now where you've got Russia, the Russian Federation, with uh, Vladimir Putin at the head, who's sticking his beak in all these different places all over the earth. And we're not going to let them just be there unfettered with no with no pushback. We should not do that for our own interests, our own security, the security of the member nations of NATO. Uh, because as he gets stronger in his, in his global influences, um, increase it becomes a problem Mm -hmm. for europe it becomes a problem for the rest of the planet so listen it's not an easy question i know uh, i've seen some tweets from from security you know more of an expert than me Mm -hmm. on the matter team ian Mm -hmm. uh, on the twitter a friend of the show former guest and uh he and i don't agree on this Uh, again i'm i'm a little bit more hawkish on these matters but um, and I don't think he looks at it as black and white either. Maybe we should get him back on the show and talk about this kind of stuff. But um, these are hard questions. Yeah. And black and white answers don't work. Mm-hmm. Not for the kind of things we're talking about. Because if we leave, there will be negative consequences. If we stay, there will be negative consequences. So you have to measure... What's the least bad thing we can do? Well, and I think the thing that everyone can agree on is that it is very, very unfortunate that we have Donald Trump making these decisions. Yes. And not only that, because of this, Jim Mattis has resigned. A short time ago, we learned of the bombshell resignation of Defense Secretary Jim Mattis. General Mattis will leave in February, a major departure, and it comes just a day after President Trump made that sudden announcement ordering all U.S. troops to be withdrawn from Syria, essentially saying the war against ISIS had been won. Secretary Mattis, a four-star Marine general, the last of what the president called his generals, to remain in the administration. There were reports of tension between the defense secretary and the president for quite some time. Those differences had become more apparent in recent weeks. The defense secretary, who now in his resignation letter, saying the president has a right to have a secretary of defense whose views are better aligned with his. ABC's chief global affairs correspondent, Martha Raddatz, leading us off. The news tonight coming amid a growing backlash over President Trump's decision to pull out of Syria. And that video where he said he was honoring American troops, including those who gave their lives. They're all coming back, and they're coming back now. We won, and that's the way we want it, and that's the way they want it. Some of the president's closest allies call it a disaster, rejecting his claim that ISIS has been defeated. To say they're defeated is an overstatement and is fake news. It is not true. And now, just one day later, Defense Secretary Jim Mattis handing in his resignation, making clear he has deep disagreements with the commander-in-chief. In a letter to the president dated today, Mattis writes, We cannot protect our interests without maintaining strong alliances and showing respect to those allies. Mattis adding, We must be resolute and unambiguous in our approach to those countries whose strategic interests 
terrorists are increasingly in tension with ours. He specifically cites China and Russia, telling Trump, because you have the right to have a secretary of defense whose views are better aligned with yours on these and other subjects, I believe it is right for me to step down from my position. President Trump has hinted he and Mattis aren't always on the same page. I think he's sort of a Democrat, if you want to know the truth. But General Mattis is a good guy. We get along very well. He may leave. I mean, at some point, everybody leaves. Tonight, the president tweeting, a new secretary of defense will be named shortly. I greatly thank Jim for his service. Martha, we're both poring over this letter from Defense Secretary Jim Mattis tonight, his resignation letter, and in it he says, I have always held the belief that our strength as a nation is inextricably linked to the strength of our unique alliances and partnerships. Doubling down on that point, you've known General Mattis for a long time. Resigning in this way was uh, truly extraordinary this afternoon. Uh, really astonishing, David. This is a man whose life has been about service and sacrifice. He cares deeply about our troops in this country. He had said he would never leave the post as long as he felt his service to the president was valued and productive. That no longer was the case. It seems clear that the situation was intolerable for Mattis and clear that this is in protest to Trump pulling out the troops from Syria. And Trump is also considering pulling a substantial number of troops out of Afghanistan as well. David. All right, Martha Raddatz leading us off tonight. Martha, as you know. I don't want to get too far away from the topic, but something that stands out to me about that clip, specifically when they played Donald Trump calling him a Democrat, is when Donald Trump said, at some point, everybody leaves. Yeah. And, I mean, what a sad thought that Donald Trump walks around with that idea in his head, maybe just about personal relationships and maybe familial relationships that he's had and his inability to retain people in his life because of the way that he is. Um, But also that he expects that his administration is just going to be people walking out all the time and having to find new people come in. Um, That is unusual. He thinks it's like a McDonald's with a high level of turnover. Yeah. I mean, you should be able to find some people, he said, everybody leaves. Yeah. You should at least be able to find some people that you can have stick around and help guide your policymaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, that agree with you, that you can get along with. And so far, it seems like he's clashed with most notable figures, with most of the notable figures in his administration. It's because he, he, he eschews expert counsel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, John Bolton, who's a ding dong for sure. General Mattis, who is not a ding dong. Um, his his nickname is the Warrior Monk. I mean, he's he's a cerebral guy, a smart man. Um, all of these characters have said this is not a good idea right now. This is not the way to do it. But as Donald Trump has said, and this lends itself that maybe he really fucking believes it. Mm-hmm. He knows more than the generals about ISIS. Yeah. He's more militaristic than any person ever. It makes me wonder if maybe this fucking idiot really, really thinks that, that it's not just bluster for his toothless, you know, hillbilly crowds of supporters. Yo, Trump, baby! I I don't know. Well, imagine working with someone who, just imagine everyone in your workplace, working with an individual who has always lived 
in a very wealthy environment who has never been told no. Yeah, sure. And who has never been rejected uh, or unable to eventually get what they wanted, right? Whether it be through legal means or illegal means. Yeah. And then having them be the president of the United States, the most powerful position. Imagine what that would do to their head and what it would be like trying to level with that person in any way. Yeah. I mean, and, and it took him a while to get it fallen to stride, understanding the mighty, awesome power of the office he currently holds. Yeah. And so there were a lot of reactions to the resignation letter. Number one, Donald Trump tried to say on Twitter that he was retiring. That's not what's right. happening here. He's resigning. And I think part of that was trying to obscure what was happening here. Um, but as many people noted on Twitter after they read the resignation letter, John uh, George Conway specifically, Kellyanne Conway's husband, right? Yeah, yeah. Not a word of praise for Trump. That's what he said. Yep. Speaks volumes. He said no pro forma, quote, it has been a privilege to have worked with you or formulaic, quote, I'm proud that we were able to fill in here or even the usually obligatory. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve. Yeah. Right. None of that. None of that was in there. Well, I, I'm listen, if you want to, to you, you could read it. We'll, we'll post a link to it. Uh, I also put a video up this morning, early this morning on YouTube. It's also on the Facebook page about this. And I read a pretty substantial portion from his resignation letter. And I'm not going to go through it again. But he really indicated that, look, we just don't see eye to eye. He didn't go as far as to say you give aid and comfort to authoritarian regimes. But he certainly indicated we have a different idea about how we treat hostile foreign countries and their authoritarian leaders. We have a different idea about what level of respect and decency we operate with concerning our allies. He listed the NATO nations and what they've done for America in the aftermath of 9-11 and all of the, the alliances we have in the defeat ISIS coalition. Mm-hmm. And he pointedly said one paragraph later that you deserve someone who sees eye to eye with you with your wacky ass worldview, effectively. And I'm not that guy, so I'm outie. Mm -hmm. End quote. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal for a guy like James Mattis. Yeah, I want to read this quote from um, an Atlantic article, and it is from a anonymous national security official. They spoke on the condition of anonymity in order to talk freely. Quote, Mattis is the last break on a president that makes major life and death decisions by whim without reading, deliberation, or any thought as to the consequences and risks. The saving grace is that this president has not been tested by a major national security crisis, but it will come. And when it does, we are fucked. Wow, I was drinking coffee. I had who? Oh, it's anonymous. Anonymous, yeah. Wow. Anonymous wow. U.S. national security official. Well, let, let me. I agree with that. I don't know that we'll be fucked because I think there are adults still in the room that are on the periphery, like the anonymous op-ed writer who's saving us all, guys. Right, right. They're really holding things well, together. Let, <laughs> let me let me say this though. It, it is there is something to be said about the criticism. I was I was among them that. I wasn't a, a giant fan of having a because they had to like provide a waiver for him to Congress had to waive him in because he was he had just retired as uh, a four star Marine Corps general. And that's not how it works at the Defense Department. 
usually it's a civilian. A long, you've been a civilian for a long time. You're talking about Mattis. Mattis, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there is something to be said for a, a criticism of having a general in that post. Um, but I am very happy with the way he comported himself and the way he conducted himself. And that he did, he did, it was always the guy who didn't nod along to Donald Trump in those cabinet meetings where everybody's licking on his balls and telling him, oh, thank you for the opportunity. We're so blessed to further your agenda. He didn't ever do that. He wouldn't nod along when Donald Trump was acting crazy. He would just sit there stoically. And we do need a little of that because if you don't have a James Mattis in the room to give some wise counsel... You end up with the with a John Kelly who just does the bidding of Donald Trump and doesn't push back. So I guess I would just admonish the Senate when the the next uh, the next guy comes along. I'm assuming it'll be a dude because it's Donald Trump and it's the Defense Secretary uh, to really do their due diligence relative to Senate confirmation, hold the nominees' feet to the fire, and make sure. That they're, that they're going to be there to be a check against the the radical impulses, the impetuous impulses of Donald Trump. Yeah, I want to read this tweet from at Edward G. Luce, Financial Times U.S. National Editor, formerly D.C. Bureau Chief, um, and get your perspective on what he says here. I don't believe in coincidences. As Mueller's probe tightens, Putin's leverage on Trump intensifies. Hard to read the Deripaska sanctions move and pulling out of Syria as anything other than Trump's Christmas gifts to his handler. Yikes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to know more. It. it listen. It does seem odd that against all wise counsel, even from radicals on his national security team like John Bolton, he went his own way. Even when he's got John Bolton and Mattis and all of his military brass, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, General Dunford, he's doing his own thing mm-hmm. in direct opposition to U.S. national security interests and in the service of Russia. Mm-hmm. Very weird. And I don't know where, where the connect would be between the fact that Mueller's noose is tightening. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it, it's certainly a problem. And, and listen, and we'll move on because I don't want to uh, go crazy on this. But it does seem like there's a little bit of wiggle room now. There's a little bit of daylight between Donald Trump and and congressional Republicans. The the airwaves were virtually silent yesterday from Republicans on this matter. There was a couple guys who came out and said, look, this is no good, no good. Mm -hmm. Um, Lindsey Graham, of course. Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio, who, does he still think he has a chance of running for president? Get the fuck out of here. Stay off the TV. (laughs) Um, But there are a few. There are a few. And uh, it's going to, I believe, this is, it's things like this that are going to compound. Because... Notice Donald Trump's not attacking Mattis, because that's not really going to fly with the base. Mattis is universally respected by uh, left and right-wing nutters alike. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right-wing nutters, not left-wing nutters. Sorry, Team Ian. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I think this this might be a catalyst for a a little bit of daylight Mm -hmm. and realizing that it's not just... 
well, one, also the economy's not looking great right now. The stock market's down almost 2,000 points over the course of the last six days. That, um, when that starts happening and he's putting the company, the country's security interest at risk, there's going to be a, a point where even Republicans are going to say, all right, we got to fucking cut bait with this guy. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. So the other thing has to do with the funding, mm-hmm. the border wall, mm-hmm. the, the, the Trump shutdown. Donald Trump just a few days ago sat down with with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. I believe it was the 11th, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he said plainly that he's happy. <laughs> I will be proud yeah. to shut down the government. Mm. Well, that didn't play well <laughs> with anybody that really didn't play well, except again for the, the extreme right wing nutters like Ann Coulter. And he he backed away. The House they wrote a bill, the Senate passed a thing, and then all the nutters freaked out. No, you ha- we need the wall. We need that fucking wall. And they scared him enough that, look, your 2020 uh, uh, possibilities are... Prospects shrink- are dim. Sh- they are shrinking right now if you're going to start doing shit like this. Yeah. And he flip-flopped, and now he is completely opposed... Mm-hmm. To a spending bill and is effectively going to shut down the, the government unless he gets um, the money that the House passed now, which is five point seven billion. Uh, it just it's chaos all the way around. There could very well be a government shutdown after all, just days before Christmas. And the president is now saying he will not sign a spending bill without money for his border wall. ABC's Mary Bruce on the Hill with new reporting tonight. Just when it seemed President Trump was preparing to sign a bill that would keep the government running but would not fund his border wall, tonight a dramatic about face. We need the wall. The Democrats know it. Everybody knows it. It came after a conservative revolt, outraged that the president might be backing down from his signature promise. This turnaround that looks like he just caved. Not funding the wall is going to go down as one of the worst, worst things to have happened to this administration. It looks like a lot of people's worst fears may be realized. It seemed the president was listening, summoning House Speaker Paul Ryan and top Republicans to the White House. The president informed us that he will not sign the bill that came over from the Senate last evening uh, because of his legitimate concerns for border security. Back on Capitol Hill, the president's move sending his own party into a tailspin. House Republicans now scrambling to vote on a short-term fix to keep the government open and provide $5 billion for the president's wall. What happens when that vote fails? Right now it doesn't seem you have the support. What happens if this vote fails? like a negative attitude. But do you have the votes? Do you have the votes? Democrats already call it a no-go. In terms of wall funding, that's a non-starter. I think they know that. The big question tonight, will the president shut down the government over his wall, which he isn't even calling a wall anymore? I give them a little bit of an out, steel slats. We don't use the word wall necessarily, but it has to be something special to do the job. Steel slats. Let's get to Mary Bruce with us live on the Hill tonight. Mary, the government set to shut down now at midnight tomorrow. Right now, the president doesn't appear to have the votes to get funding for his border wall, though, right? Yeah, David, right now, bottom line, any attempt to fund the president's wall as part of a deal to keep the government running does not have enough support to pass in the Senate. The ball will then be back in the president's court. Ultimately, if there is a shutdown, it will likely be the president's decision. And David, he has said he's willing to take the blame.
And we have to remember it affects millions of Americans and workers who don't know what's going to happen just before Christmas here. And then this morning, after all of this, Donald Trump comes out and he is, he really, it is, it is a, a sight to behold that he has the ball sack. <laughs> it is seriously, he has the temerity to be saying this is the Democrat shutdown. After the meeting with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, where he went on and on and on about how he was proud to shut down the government. Yes, I'll take on the mantle, he said. I'll take it. You don't worry about it. It will absolutely be on me. Now, eh, not so much. He tweeted, the Democrats now own the shutdown, exclamation points. Apparently that mantle was a little heavy Mm -hmm. for Donald Trump. Yeah. He also tweeted, Mitch, use the nuclear option and get it done. Our country is counting on you. Uh, Which he should be a little bit more specific in that tweet, probably, (laughs) than just saying the nuclear option. Well, yeah, he, we need to know he doesn't really mean a nuclear weapon, that it's <laughs> Senate procedure he wants to blow up. Yeah. So we are sitting here waiting, wondering what's going to happen relative to the government shutdown, which is, is going to affect millions of people. Non-essential personnel, which is almost everybody, go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over Christmas, right. they stop being paid. They have to make the choice. Yeah. Millions of people have to make the choice. Do I put gas in the car? Do I pay my mortgage? Do I buy my kids medicine? Right. And Donald Trump doesn't give a fuck about that. Well, What he wants is his slat wall, his wall that remember Mexico apparently isn't going to pay for anymore. Right. Well, we talked about that last time. There's a GoFundMe now, so <laughs> I saw that. it is up to twelve point nine million dollars. Do they real these morons who are doing this goddamn GoFundMe page? They- I don't think they understand what a billion dollars is. Mm-hmm. The estimates on the wall are anywhere between roughly twenty five billion and like fifty billion dollars. A-, a thousand million. Dollars is one billion. They need fifty thousand million dollars, and they've got seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, only forty-three thousand million to go. So it was started by a uh, triple amputee veteran mm-hmm. and a Purple Heart recipient, Brian Colfitch, I think is how you it say his name. It just shows that all wounded warriors are not smart guys. And he lives in Florida. And that's just so you guys know. Uh, nothing- you know where the border wall would really affect his life. Right. Don't read too much into it. I was just letting you know so you can orient yourselves to where he's located. And he is putting his name out there, letting everyone know who he is, because obviously there's been a lot of issues with GoFundMe, okay, where people start a GoFundMe on behalf of someone else. And then because it's in their name, they take the money because they just said that they would give it to someone else. And that's not actually like what they have to do because it was in their name. So it's like their money. And GoFundMe doesn't do anything about it. Right. And so it's this guy's name. Right. He is now the steward of over $12 million at this point. And people are just donating. And I mean, he's putting his name out there. So he's saying, yeah, here's who I am. I'm doing interviews. You know who I am. So you can hold me accountable. 
Right. I don't know, <laughs> man. That's a lot of trust people are putting in this yeah, guy. Yeah, man. So they're going to donate this money to the border wall. And if you just sit here and refresh the page, I mean, it's $80, $20, $30, $20, $10, $80. People are donating continuously to fund the border wall. Wow. We the people will fund the wall. Yeah, That's, that's we will. the GoFundMe. So there you go. Well, let's keep let's keep a track. Yeah. Let's keep track of this number. Every episode we're gonna give an update on what do you say, twelve and a half million now? Twelve point nine. Twelve point nine million dollars. Only several thousand more million to go. Tens of thousands. Anyway, uh let's let's wrap this baby. Taking care of biz. Natalie Barnes. Natalie Barnes. Natalie Barnes. She's a Milwaukee bus driver, and she's being praised for the way that she helped a um, homeless passenger that needed some assistance. Now, she has received three commendations for outstanding service because she's known for like taking peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with her to work on the bus to give to people who are homeless or experiencing a difficult time and she like brings them food. So she is That's beautiful. Yeah, just a really compassionate person. But this guy got on her bus and she started talking to him and he said that he has been homeless for a week because the place that he was previously living was condemned and he asked her if he could just stay on the bus to stay out of the cold for a while milwaukee you said right yeah that's cold and so she said yes and he was obviously very thankful to be out of the cold and at one point she took a break and on her break offered to get him food to eat and then she took another break and reached out to a friend to help get him into a temporary shelter so not only is she like, hey, yeah, stay on this bus, you know, while yeah. I'm while I'm working my shift, stay out of the cold. But she used her breaks to get him food, then to get him like secure him a temporary shelter. And they, how did how did this become public? Well, she has been recognized for her service huh. um, and for this act of kindness. There was like a video clip recording in the bus because they record things. So yeah, you can yeah, kind of yeah. see it happening. So I don't know how... Co-workers or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just awesome that she... I wasn't doubting that it happened. I just like to know the mechanisms by which things become public. And by the way, I just read the weather there while you were talking. Yeah. And uh, it's 20s and 30s. Yeah. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah. Um, so they exchange numbers and they keep in touch. They're friendly now. And it's just a really awesome story. It shows you that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, there's just simple things that you can do to use your time and, and use your resources to help make life a little bit easier for someone else. Brighten someone's day. Yeah. That is awesome. All right, everybody, we're going to go. We'd love to hear from you for next episode, 657-464-7609. If you have anything to contribute, something to uh, to help us move the conversation with, you can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you guys and appreciate the loyalty and your appreciation of the work we do here. If you want to help support the show, if you love this show, consider contributing to us on 
Patreon, go to teamdollamore.com and you can find all about it there. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. What are you trying to say, man? You know, it's going to turn into a, a brawl or something. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>